Today is Monday, July the 11th, 2022, and it's a great day to have a day here on the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. On today's show, we begin the 2022 season preview series, as on today's show, I break down the Gamecocks offense heading into kickoff. Guys, first things first, we'll look back at how South Carolina fared a season ago. Also, of course, I'll talk key departures key returners, new additions, top storylines for this season, why they'll be better, why they'll be worse. Season will be successful if, and I will lock in my prediction for the 2022 Gamecocks offense. Also, guys, we've got news and notes to get into, including the latest on G.G. Jackson. Will he decommit from UNC and indeed choose South Carolina? I will give you guys the latest on just what I'm hearing. Also, guys, we have got your listener questions, a packed show here on this Monday, and it's all brought to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. Go download the SeatGeek app, go to SeatGeek.com, and when you do, use the promo code SPURSUP to get $20 off your first purchase of any purchase of $50 or more. Guys, whatever you need tickets to, they have got it, whether it be Gamecock sporting events, concerts, comedy club events. Guys, they've also got what's called a deal score. So when you go to their website or their mobile app, they're going to tell you exactly where you're sitting, how much you're paying, so you know you're getting the best bang for your buck, and you have all the confidence you need when you click that buy button. So again, guys, it's our friends over at SeatGeek. Go download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com, and when you do, use that promo code SPURSUP, that's S-P-R-S-U-P, to save $20 off your first purchase of any purchase of $50 or more. Let's get it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. goes as such offense wins games defense wins championships but for this south kind of football team in this season not just winning but winning with style is of utmost importance and scoring a lot of points and doing so That is what a group that finished near the bottom of college football will try to do this fall. Folks, happy Monday. Hope you're all doing well. I'm Chris Phillips, your host of the Spurs Up Show. As always, appreciate you all tuning in. We have got a packed show here on this Monday as we begin our week. And we begin officially the 2022 season preview series. Today's show, we are talking offense. Wednesday's podcast We will talk defense, and then on Friday, we'll cap it off with the special teams. Again, thank you all so much for tuning in. I hope you had a fantastic weekend, and I hope this show does find you well. Before we get going really quickly, guys, this is going to be a bit of a crazy week, okay, because yours truly is moving and in the process of moving. So my plan is this. The podcast will not be affected 
by any of the things that I just mentioned. However, right? However, there is a chance that the Daily Crow will be affected. As we sit here right now, I know this is not a great answer, but I do not exactly know what the schedule is going to look like for this week due to the fact that, number one, again, I am moving to my new spot. Number two, my brother who is in the Army, who I've told you guys a lot about, he is coming into town from Alaska on Tuesday night, and he will be here until Saturday. So there might be a couple of days where we are doing family activities, where I'm going to take some time off to spend with the family and with my brother, because again, this is the first time that we as a family have seen him in six months. And I just don't know exactly what we will be doing. Again, the podcast will not be affected. The Daily Crow could be affected and we still should should be good to go Wednesday night at 10 roof also as well. So again, guys, I just want to give you a bit of an update because of the moving because my brother coming in town, there might be some moving pieces this week. The daily crow might get moved around. You might see it moved later in the day, maybe earlier in the morning. I don't know yet. We should be good early in this week. But again, just be patient, just roll with the punches, and I know that you guys will do that. But it's an exciting week. Like I said, guys, last week, of course, I locked in my predictions. This week, we're getting into my season preview series. Next week, of course, guys, we are one week away from SEC Media Days, which is basically the unofficial start of college football, right? That is the start. That is our quote-unquote kickoff, if you will, as the head ball coach like to used to call it, talking season right so we'll get going with that next week also starting next week i'll dive into my opponent preview series and for the next four weeks i'll break down each individual opponent that the gamecocks take on this fall and then after that we will dive into the position unit preview series where i'll go through each and every single position unit break it all down give you guys the nitty-gritty details and that will take us into kickoff leading into game one against Georgia State. So it's really exciting time, guys. We're getting into it again. The 2022 season preview series begins. And today we are talking South Carolina offense, which I feel like when you look at this team and you look at last year, that is the big storyline because there were many things that South Carolina overachieved in in year one of the Shane Beamer era. But I think we'd all agree that offense was a bit of an eyesore. Before we dive into this year's team, that's where we'll start, guys. We'll look back at 2021 and what a year it was because I'm going to get in these stats really quickly, but keep in mind this. The Gamecocks started four different quarterbacks a season ago, and they were the only team in college football to start four different quarterbacks and have four different quarterbacks win a game. I mean, that is unheard of. And what's crazy, I think back to around this time last year when I did my season preview for the offense and we were all talking about Luke Doty and, you know, his expectations and what this offense was going to look like with him under center. And it just goes to show you that you never know what's going to happen in college football. Because, of course, what we all know what happened about a month and a half or so or a month later, Luke Doty gets injured. This guy, Zeb Nolan, comes out of nowhere, a graduate assistant. And I thought when it first happened, you might all recall, I thought, hey, there's no way this guy plays. He's just here to boost depth. He's just here to to boost the roster. Uh, Yeah, not only did he play, but he started, and he played well for a lot of the season. So the quarterback position was a mess. It was a nightmare. And Marcus Satterfield and Shane Beamer were still able to navigate this football team to seven wins, which is absolutely remarkable. But you look last year, guys. It is no secret. The offense was the problem with this football team, averaging just 22.6 points per game, which ranked 13th in the SEC and 104th nationally. Carolina also accumulated 336.8 yards per game, which was good enough again for 13th in the SEC and 111th nationally. Simply put, not good enough. And that's why you saw and heard all the criticisms of Marcus Satterfield and the offensive staff and Greg Atkins, because when you put a product like that out there, you're not going to have a lot of happy campers. And like I said in the intro, right, winning is great. You win seven games, it's awesome. But the way you win and winning with style matters. And the fact of the matter is this, in 2022, football is an offensive dominated game. Nobody wants to watch a 10 to 7, 13 to 10, 
17 to 14 kind of ball game, which is why I think one of the reasons Will Muschamp's tenure as a head coach was so short. A lot of these defensive coaches, they just cannot come around to the idea that it's an offensive game. We'd rather watch a 45 to 42 shootout than we would a 10 to seven defensive slugfest. This is not 2000 anymore, right? So you look at Carolina's offense, and again, there's no secret. It was abysmal at the bottom of college football. Uh, the Gamecocks on the ground ran for 135.6 yards per game, which ranked 11th in the SEC and 93rd nationally. They passed for 201.2 yards per game, 13th in the SEC and 95th nationally. So South Carolina really wasn't good, guys, at anything. <laughs> I mean, Carolina wasn't good at anything, and yet still found a way to get to seven wins, which is remarkable. And it says a lot about Clayton White's unit, which we'll talk about that defense on Wednesday. When you take a look at, guys, let's move into key departures, key returners, new additions. Let's get to know the Gamecocks offense just a little bit, guys. And like I said a little bit earlier, right, we're going to do position unit previews uh, in about a month and a half or so where I'll dive into each specific position unit and really go in detail with all these guys this is going to be I don't want to say high level overview because we're going in pretty deep with the offense on this show but this is more of an overview of the entire offense and then those shows will dive deep into the details of each position unit but you look at key departures who South kind of loses from a season ago you lose your top rushers of course and running back Zaquandre White running back Kevin Harris again the quarterback position gets hit with Zeb Nolan and Jason Brown both departing then you lose wide receiver EJ Jenkins off Offensive lineman Jason Turnentine to transfer and then tight end Nick Muse to the NFL draft. So there's some production there, certainly, that you did lose. But you've got a lot, I feel, coming back on the offensive side. You look at the key returners, of course, Josh Van, your leading receiver from a season ago. Wide receiver, tight end, whatever position you want to label him as, Jaheim Bell is back. I think we're all expecting Gene to have a big-time breakout year this year. Running back Marshawn Lloyd, he returns with high expectations. Of course, wide receiver to carry on. Joyner is back after his huge Dukes Mayo Bowl performance. Running back Juju McDowell, who I'm going to get into more in just a bit, but I have got absolutely sky-high expectations for Juju. And then here's the crazy thing, guys. We talk about the offensive line, and you already know when we talk top storylines for 2022, that's going to be something I'm going to mention. But, guys, the entire starting five, is back for the Gamecocks offensive line. Left to right, you've got Wanamaker, Lee, Douglas, Gwynn, and Nichols, who are all back for South Carolina. And then you look behind them and guys who have played. You've got Ja'Kai Moore, Hank Manos, Trey Jones, Dylan Wanham. I mean, you've got a lot of experience back on that offensive line. So, guys, you've got a lot coming back for you on the offensive side. And I have not even mentioned the new additions, right? <laughs> These are going to be some of your biggest pieces on the offense, of course, you got to start with quarterback Spencer Rattler. You brought him in to be your dude. He's going to be QB1 this season. Running back Christian Beal-Smith, the Wake Forest transfer, who I think has a really, really good shot to start this season at RB1. You then look at the receivers, wide receiver Antoine Wells Jr., the record-setting receiver from James Madison. Heck, the expectations for him are so ridiculous and so high. Many of you think he should be preseason all-conference, and he has not even taken a snap in the SEC, heck, Phil Steele has him on a preseason all-conference team. That just goes to show you how highly people think of this kid. You then got wide receiver Corey Rucker, the Arkansas State transfer. You got tight end Austin Stogner, who came in with Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma. And then, of course, finally running back Lavoisier Carroll. How does Carroll factor? I'm very intrigued to see after spending last year playing defensive back for the Georgia Bulldogs, but Lavoisier Carroll once thought of as a top running back in the country when he was being Recruited. So again, a lot of returners, a lot of big time additions. It should, it should spell for some big time success this fall. Guys, let's dive into our top storylines for the Gamecocks offense this upcoming season. Before we do, though, I want to take a moment to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks. Guys, as we're counting down the days to kick off and we're talking football, we're just 54 days away until toe meets leather, right? You're going to be enjoying all the action. Why not make some money? This football season, our friends over at Prize Picks guys are helping you do that. When you sign up today, use the promo code TSUS at sign up to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Now, what is Prize Picks? Prize Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. Guys, here's how it works you pick two to five players, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Prize Picks has no sharks. 
optimizers or mass multi-entry. It's literally just you against the projection. Price picks allows mixed sport entry. So for example, you can take the over on Spencer Rattler passing yards, parlayed with the under on Matt Ryan passing yards, parlayed with MLB with NBA. Long story short, you can play multiple sports. But by the way, guys, the big kicker for us is this. How many other books do you know that have college sports prop plays? I, I don't know of many if there are even any other ones out there. Price Picks also is a slick, easy-to-use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. And they're 4.8 star rated in the App Store with Rave reviews again guys that's our friends over at prize picks when you sign up today at prizepicks.com or on the prize picks app use that promo code tsus to receive a 100 instant deposit match up to 100 and again guys we appreciate our friends over at prize picks for the love and support of the spurs up show okay let's go ahead and dive into it guys our top storylines for the gamecocks offense heading in this season and guys we got to start with the most important position on the field and the guy that I've been hyping him up all offseason long, and deservedly so, because for the first time in what feels like a long time, South Carolina enters a season with the dude under center. It's been a long time since I could look at this position, at the quarterback position, and say, we've got the dude. But that is the case. Beamer Rattler 22. Go By the way, go get your merch today. It is flying off the shelves as we speak. But the Spencer Rattler era begins in Columbia South Gun. And again, guys, in about a month or so, we'll dive into the quarterback position and more specifically the expectations for Rattler and what fans think he should do. You know, how you do how do you define his tenure? Is it is it passing yards? Is it touchdowns? Is it total amount of wins? Is it where he's drafted? What have you? But I know I speak for many of us when I say I am just so excited going into a season, right? We had all these quarterback problems a year ago. When you think about what Shane Beamer and Marcus Satterfield did with an offense that had four different guys start a game under center, a complete quarterback carousel, a revolving door at that position. And you knew, right, at the end of last season, when you watch the Gamecocks take on Clemson in the season finale and you just watch other games, there were many other issues. But if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a chance, right? And not only did South Carolina address that question, but they addressed that question in a big, big way with Spencer Rattler. Now, listen, I get it. I understand what happened last year. I know that his tenure at Oklahoma did not end on good terms. But, folks, hear me out. That thing was a mess a season ago. Lincoln Riley had one foot out the door. Let last year not let you or make you forget who Spencer Rattler is. The guy that was the favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. The guy that was projected as the number one overall pick. He's still that guy. Look at what he did in 2020. Guys, go watch his film. And the point that I've made to people, guys, is this. You might be a Spencer Rattler hater. Right, You might think he's no good. You might look at what he did at Oklahoma last year, think he's a bum, think he's got a bad attitude, what have you. You can think all that, but you also need to acknowledge this because this is fact. Spencer Rattler is so much better than anybody by miles and miles and miles. He's so much better than anybody the Gamecocks had under center a season ago. It's not even close. And I'd say for the first time since Connor Shaw and Dylan Thompson, all due respect to those other guys, but this is the first time where I felt real energy and excitement and a buzz in the air because of the potential of the guy under center. Because, again, this is still a football team and still an offense. We're going to get into it, but still a football team and an offense specifically that has questions all over the field. But when you've got that guy under center, when you've got the dude leading the troops in the battle, you've got a chance. He alone gives you a chance. Now, can South Carolina fans keep their expectations of him 
realistic. Again, that's something that we're going to talk about when we go into our position unit previews and we're going to dive into Spencer Rattler and the expectations and what we'll deem a successful season for him. But just the fact, I mean, you look at guys, just the energy around Carolina football that his addition alone has brought, right? That is certainly, when you look at really this football team, I mean, he is the guy that moves the needle for Carolina football. You know, I feel like when we first when we first got him, obviously the, the buzz and energy and electricity was crazy, and I feel like it kind of cooled off. And I'm here to remind people yet again, like, folks, you don't need to pinch yourselves. You don't have to wake up from that dream because it's reality. Spencer Rattler is our quarterback. He's our guy. He's our dude. That guy from Oklahoma. Again, let the naysayers say what they want. The fact of the matter is this. We've got a Heisman Trophy caliber talent taking the snaps this season. And no matter what anybody says, that is true. That is true. So the Spencer Rattler era begins. All eyes will be on number seven each and every single week that the Gamecocks take the field. Now, will he have time to throw, and will he have any help? That is the question. That is my next big storyline, guys, as we go into this season, of course. If Spencer Rattler was not added to this roster, I think this, of course, would be the number one storyline because when you look back at 2021, what was the problem? What was the number one eyesore? And it was the offensive line. And it's crazy to look back to think, how fooled we were when it comes to the offensive line. Because, guys, I graded the offensive line last year as like a B-plus when I did my position at preview series. I graded him a B-plus. I thought the offensive line was going to be the strength of the offense. You might recall last year I said South Carolina is going to be a 70-30 run-to-pass offense. I thought we'd run the football effectively all year long. I, I really thought that was going to be our bread and butter. I thought the big uglies up front, you had all this experience coming back from 2020, a line that paved the way for the, the leading rusher in the SEC and what Kevin Harris did. And, guys, not only did they fall short of expectations, but they were abysmal. I mean, they were abysmal a season ago. And just how bad were they? Get this. This, this offensive line produced just six 100-yard rushing games in 13 tries, right? And that was with Kevin Harris behind them. They were also one of the worst pass-blocking lines in the league. They gave up 31 sacks. That is the big question. You know, I've talked a lot about this team will go as far as Spencer Rattler takes them, but Spencer Rattler can only take them so far if the offensive line is not improved, Right? If we see great strides made and great improvements and all eyes, right? Like they're going to be on Rattler, but all eyes are going to be on that offensive line from game one because it was painfully evident from week one, right? We all ignored it after EIU, but you could tell being in the stadium that like we did not get the push that I feel like we should have gotten. This wasn't as easy as it felt like it should have been. So I think we're going to be able to tell very, very early what this offensive line looks like. Now, with that being said, I also think this about that group. Do I think they will be improved? I mean, guys, they literally could not be any worse, in my opinion. I will say, though, when it comes to Marcus Satterfield, and certainly we'll talk more about him in just a second, but the offensive line being porous is not an excuse, right? You know now, right, you're not going to have the – some big surprise, and oh my God, we didn't see this coming off with the offensive line. What happened to this group? You know, <laughs> going into the 2022 season, you know there's a good chance that this group is suspect. If nothing else, you know this group is a question mark. Nobody knows how this group is going to perform this season. So I think we need to see a Gamecocks offense that if that is the case, if the offensive line is yet again a deficiency, you've got to have some sort of game plan in place which counteracts that. But you can only do so much. I think we all agree the offensive line is going to make improvements. How big of a jump, though, are they going to make? And I think the answer to that question is going to tell us a lot about how South kind of performance performs this season on that side of the ball. Moving on, guys. Another big storyline for the 2022 season, the offensive side. 
the new additions, of course, the guys you add, Antoine Wells Jr., Austin Stogner, Christian Beal Smith, Corey Rucker, Lavoisier Carroll, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Shane Beamer and company, I would say, I mean, I, I don't know that you can name many other schools that made a much bigger splash in the transfer portal um, and embracing the portal and all it has to offer. And I mean, you look, I mean, these are guys, it's not just guys that are, oh, they're roster fillers or they're good for depth. No, no, we're talking about dudes that should contribute immediately. I mean, of course, guys, like I said, Antoine Wells Jr., a guy I expect to be a starter off the jump. Stogner, I think, certainly going to be a starting tight end for you. I think he'll fill in right where Nick Muse departed. Christian Beal Smith, I mentioned, I think he's got a very good chance to start the season at RB1. What is Corey Rucker? Not 100% sure. It was a good player at Arkansas State. Can he make that transition to the SEC? Again, Lavoisier Carroll, what is he and how does he figure in that running back room? But you added guys to the transfer portal that should have major, major impacts on your season and guys that I think could spell for a lot of success on the offensive side, especially when you look at a guy like Antoine Wells Jr. I mean, I, I think many folks, heck, I think people have forgotten about Josh Van unfairly just because of his addition, but uh, you added some big-time pieces. Shane Beaver and company making a major splash in the transfer portal, and I think those new additions, again, we're all expecting to pay off major dividends for this football team. Speaking of weapons, another big storyline for the upcoming season – Jaheim Bell was a nice player last year, right, guys? You look at his numbers receiving. 30 catches for 497 yards and five touchdowns. 16.6 yards per catch. Those, rank, those numbers ranked second on South Carolina's football team behind just Josh Van. Jaheim Bell was a nice player a season ago. Is this his breakout season? And I think we got a glimpse of it, of what he's really capable of in the bowl game, in which he absolutely torched the North County defense in every way you can think of. Heck, he even ran the football in that game, you might recall. And I remember last year's spring game, not this past spring, but last year's spring game, when you saw Jaheim Bell at the running back position and taking handoffs and you saw the way they were using him and you felt like, you know what? This is a guy that I think has a lot of potential to be a big-time player. And certainly, we saw flashes of brilliance last year. My big question is this, because I think Jaheim Bell, most would say, is poised for a breakout season. Just how good can he be? How will they use him, right? And can he be a consistent week-in, week-out contributor for this football team? Because I think that was the big thing last year, and you can blame Satterfield, you can blame Jaheim Bell himself, but there were games where I kind of feel like Bell went missing, right? He wasn't a major contributor for you. I think the next step for him, of course, if he's going to have that breakout season, the next step for him is to do it on a more consistent basis, week-in, week-out, and be one of Spencer Rattler's favorite targets but I think Bell certainly you look at you know what position does he play tight end wide receiver does he play the quote-unquote wide back like a Debo Samuel that Marcus Satterfield referenced I think he's a dude a Swiss army knife type of player that can beat you in a multitude of ways and I know we are all very very excited to see what he has in store for this season guys another big storyline moving to the running back position all eyes on Marshawn Lloyd is he finally healthy and you know what's crazy this was a top storyline for me last year. Marshawn Lloyd and his health, right? Because, of course, last year he was coming off the ACL tear. And I I'm not sure we really gave credit to the recovery in that and just how tough it is, you know, especially mentally. That's the big hurdle for athletes, man, coming off those injuries and, and uh, you know, the, the, the mental toll it takes and having to trust that knee again and be able to cut and be able to move, be able to juke and do everything you did beforehand. What I noticed a lot last year with Marshawn Lloyd is, you know, this is a kid, former five-star recruit, coming from, you know, the high school ranks, wanting so badly. If you listen to any of his interviews, you know, we had Marshawn Lloyd on the show. He's a guy that plays with a chip on his shoulder. And he's someone that so badly wants to prove. You know, he is – he was – He's everything. He's going to live up to everything everybody said about him on the recruiting trail. He's going to live up to that five-star billing. He's going to be all-American this, all that, blah, blah, blah. He wants to make the big play, and he wants to hit the home run. But what happens is you see a lot of time. I saw it last year. He's trying to bounce plays outside and, and hit the home run every play. And a lot of times, 
it blew up. He also had troubles holding on to the football. But a lot of times those plays blew up. And I just wonder, will Marshawn Lloyd be able to, even beyond his health, will he be able to go from, Marshawn, it's okay to hit some singles and doubles. We know you can hit the home run. We know what you're capable of. But what we need you to be is not just a home run hitter. We need you to be a productive running back. When you're not breaking off 75, 80-yard touchdown runs, we need to count on you to get two or three yards per carry. We need to count on you to gain positive yardage. Just like my good friend Corey Boyd once said on these here airwaves, always be the hammer, never be the nail. You can do all that juking and jiving, but when all else fails, you be the hammer. You never be the nail. You gain yardage. You don't lose yardage, and that's how you make a living as a running back. It was very evident a season ago that Marshawn Lloyd was not himself. Marshawn Lloyd looked a step slow. He looked a step slow. He did not look comfortable for the jump. I think we all believe it's in there, and I want to believe so badly it's in there. I want to believe Marshawn Lloyd is poised for a breakout season. Just because I've talked about this before, at South Carolina, you don't get that many five-stars. You're not just reeling in four, five, six, seven five-stars per class. And so you landed a guy like Marshawn Lloyd, and you just hate, you just hate to see a kid like that come in here and not realize his full potential because I think he's got a lot of it. So just how far along is Marshawn Lloyd from his injury? Is he finally healthy? Heck, is he even, is he even 90%, 95%? Is he ready to show the world and show Game Cock Nation that he is who we thought he was? when he signed with USC. Another big storyline, guys. Coming off of the Dukes Mayo Bowl, I don't feel like anybody has received quite as much attention from that game specifically as the carry-on Joiner. And Joiner, Joiner is one of the most unique and interesting cases of a South kind of football player that you will ever see. <laughs> because what's wild is even at this point, even though... Shane Beamer and Marcus Satterfield look at the carry-on joiner and say, despite everything, you're a wide receiver, right? Go back to the wide receiver room. Appreciate what you did in the bowl game. Go back to the receiver room. Even though that's the case, <laughs> there's a portion of the South kind of fan base that still wants to believe the carry-on joiner should be this team's starting quarterback. Right. And I'm not going to dive into that full conversation of why you're right, why you're wrong, what have you. But the fact of the matter is this the carry on joiner has a role on this offense. And he showed in the bowl game he can be a contributor, right? Do I think the carry on joiner is a very good wide receiver? No, I do not. But what the carry on joiner is, is an athlete. And you can always use productive athletes on your football team, and that is what the carry-on joiner is. Again, he showed you that against UNC. But my question is this. What is the carry-on joiner's role, right? You added Wells Jr. You added Rucker. Jalen Brooks is back, right? Xavier Leggett is back. You add Landon Sampson. Of course, Josh Van leading the way. Jaheim Bell catching passes. Austin Stogner. There's a lot of guys that need to touch the football. And I think the carry-on joiner, you could argue, is a guy that needs to see it five to seven to ten times a game. Especially if you can put together a package, a plan. Is there a wildcat in place, a wild cock, if you will? Right? Is there some sort of package for the carry-on joiner? Because I think you saw again in the bowl game, there could be some value in that. But what is his role? How quickly does his role become defined? Does he spend most of his time at receiver? Does he spend most of his time... How does he spend most of his time? Like, is, is there a package for him? Is it in jet sweeps? Is it wide receiver screens? Is there some trickery? How do you take what the carry-on joiner did in the bowl game, bottle that up, and stretch it out over the course of a season? I think that is the major question for Marcus Satterfield, and that's what I'll be looking for in regards to number five and what he can do with this Gamecocks offense, because I know Dak is a guy that we're all pulling for. I mean, that dude is all Gamecock. There's been so many people, including myself, that have said, hey, 
it's in Dak Joyner's best interest. If he transfers, he should go play quarterback somewhere. He'll never see the light of day at quarterback here. And he just continues to rock the garnet in black, continues to put his best foot forward, continues to give his best effort. You know what? I respect the hell out of that. But what is his role specifically? I'll be really excited to see that. And finally, guys, my final storyline, my final top storyline for the 2022 season for the Gamecocks offense. You didn't think I was going to leave this out, did you? Marcus Satterfield, the man of the hour, the South Carolina offensive coordinator, being on the hot seat. And what must Sat do to keep his job and be in this same position a year from today? And I look back at last year, and I did not expect, guys, the offense to be very good, right? I didn't expect it to be very good. And when Luke Doty got hurt, if you would have told me what the offensive numbers were, I would have said, okay, that honestly makes sense. And if you would have told me how bad the offensive line was, I would have said, okay, that makes sense, right? But anytime you have a year in which you rank outside the top 100 nationally in points per game and yards per game, yeah, you're going to feel some heat as the offensive coordinator. And heck, I would say deservedly so. Now, to that point, I don't think it was all on Marcus Satterfield. It surprises me the lack of the benefit of the doubt that fans give Sat when you look at the mess that was the quarterback position. Outside of Josh Van, the receiver room was not very good. The offensive line stunk, right? There were a lot of issues on that side of the ball. The personnel flat out was just not very good. Now, was the play calling perfect? Did all the decisions make sense? Absolutely not. I still have nightmares over that Jordan Birch pass into the end zone at Tennessee. And no matter what your feelings are on Marcus Satterford, I'm not going to spend the rest of this show debating, defending Sad or criticizing him, calling for his firing. The fact of the matter is this. He is back for this season as the Gamecocks OC, and this, without a doubt, is a put-up-or-shut-up year for Marcus Satterfield, right? Like, you went from driving the beat-up Hootie to the Maserati to the Ferrari, right, to the Porsche, whatever, and we are handing you the keys. If the offense doesn't work this year with all the additions you've made with the Spencer Rattlers of the world, with the Antoine Wells, with all the guys you got coming back, with all five starting offensive linemen returning and eight or nine guys that have played significant snaps up front, if you can't get this offense moving, it's not the car. It's the driver. So this is a put-up or shut-up year for Marcus Satterfield, guys. I, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's even something where we have to spend a lot of time talking about it. It's just either you get the job done and you score points and this offense is productive, and you know what? You'll get too much credit or too much blame, but you know what? That's the position you are in when you're making millions of dollars to coach an offense, right? So either you're going to be productive enough to return or we're going to have to go a different direction. I don't blame Shane Beamer for bringing Marcus Satterfield back, right? Just one season in, fans want the OC fired. I don't know that one season with that personnel was nearly enough of a sample size to judge whether Marcus Satterfield is a competent OC. Now, am I sitting here saying he is Steve Spurrier? I am not. And I think what's so intriguing, of course, you add Freddie Kitchens into the mix, as an analyst, some of you out there, some of you conspiracy theorists, you think that Freddie Kitchens is, is calling all the plays and Sat is just sitting in his role just to be a recruiter. And maybe that's true. Who gives a damn? The whole point is to have a productive product. But if you don't, if for whatever reason you don't, God forbid you are around what you were last year, somebody's got to take the blame and somebody's got to fall on the sword and that man will inevitably be Marcus Satterfield. It's put up or shut up, right? It, this year, it won't be personnel. You got the quarterback. You got the weapons on the outside. You've got the experience up front. You have no excuse. Hey, and I even said earlier, guys, the offensive line being a deficiency, that won't be a good enough excuse for me this year. That won't be a good enough excuse because you know already 
there's a potential the offensive line isn't very good. You know that beyond a shadow of a doubt that that is possible, right? Game plan around it. Scheme around it. Show everyone that you can. I mean, give credit where credit's due. That scheme and that game plan they put together for the bowl game was chef's kiss, Picasso, fantastic, right? Incredible. If you want to be harsh and call for the guys firing when they do a good job, you got to at least give credit where credit is due, right? And they did a hell of a job in that UNC game and that bowl game. But I'll be really intrigued early on because, you know, God forbid South kind of has a bad offensive performance against Georgia State or at any point when the offense inevitably probably doesn't look their best, the chatter around Marcus Satterfield is going to be loud. Very, very, very loud. So, Marcus Satterfield on the hot seat. What does he have to do to solidify his return in 2023? Going to be a lot of pressure. And that'll either make him rise to the occasion, this entire offensive group rise to the occasion, or South kind of will find themselves looking for a new offensive coordinator. There really is no gray area in this season. All right, guys, let's move into why they'll be better, why they'll be worse when we're talking Gamecocks offense this fall. First, why they will be better, why the South Carolina offense will improve this upcoming season from last year. And, folks, it's very simple. Spencer Rattler. He alone makes this offense better. If you have a quarterback, you have a chance. Few have stepped foot on this campus who have the arm talent that Spencer Rattler possesses. You look back at his film from Oklahoma, you look at some of the throws that he made, and you say, boy, South Carolina hasn't got a guy that can make a throw like that in a long, long time. His aura, his presence, his demeanor, not having a question mark, simply put it, that position going into the season. And as I said earlier, guys, hey, there's a good chance you'll get sick and tired of my Spencer Rattler chatter leading up to kickoff because I am a Rattler guy. I believe he's going to have a good season. I have faith in Spencer Rattler, and I just believe in his immense talent, and I think it will shine. But no matter how you feel about him, the fact of the matter stands, he is so much better than anybody else who stepped foot on that field a season ago. And in most games we play, guess what? South Carolina is going to have the better quarterback. And that alone will give you a chance to win the ball game. I've made this comparison before. I look at Spencer Rattler sort of like having the Steve Spurrier effect, right? And what I mean by that is this. South kind of fans, it didn't matter who we played, right? It didn't matter if we were a 25-point underdog or we're playing the top five team in the country. We always felt like we had a chance because of that guy on the sideline, because we had Steve Spurrier and they didn't. That's kind of what Spencer Rattler does for you too, guys. I mean, I'll go into the Georgia game. I'll go into Bama, or excuse me, I'll go into A&M. I'll go into Clemson. I'll go into any of them and say, you know what? This team we're playing, they might be more talented than us. They might have a, God forbid, a better coach than us. Whatever. Doesn't matter what they're ranked, what Vegas thinks. If Spencer Rattler has a day, if number seven under center has a night, and he has one of those special nights, right? Think of Garcia against Bama in 2010. We've got a shot. This guy alone gives us a shot. He makes all of his teammates around him better. And it's only one position, guys, out of 11. Let's make that very clear. (laughs) But it is the most important position on the field. So simply put, you can talk about the running back room. You can talk about the additions at receiver. You can talk about, oh, well, you know, the offensive line. They're, they're in year two of the system, this, that. You can talk about Jaheim Bell and the tight ends. But this team will go as far as Rattler takes them, and this offense will be better if for nothing else than having the right guy under center. All right, let's move into why they'll be worse. 
which is sort of a funny conversation because I'm not sure this offense can be worse, right? <laughs> than it was a season ago. If this offense, by if this offense is worse than it was a season ago, ranks worse. I, I mean, <laughs> fire sat. Fire Atkins, fire them all midseason. I mean, truly, right? But just for the sake of the conversation, why this offense could be worse, simply put, the offensive line woes just continue. And the offensive line does not make strides, does not improve. You know, I tend to think that the addition of Rattler is going to help this line because I think with the changing of the guard under center so often, I think there was a lot of confusion in regards to checks and getting guys in the right positions. And you saw that constantly, right? It wasn't just like, oh, well, you know, their guy, their end is just so much better than our tackle. Their, their interior guys are so much better than ours. We had guys that just like weren't even in the right place. I mean, it was like, where are we going? Like bad news bears out there. So I think having a steady hand under center will help. But the only thing I think that could really derail this offense to where South Carolina could even be remotely what they were last year or, God forbid, worse, is if the offensive line is just that porous and the offensive line is just that bad. Now, do I see that happening? Not necessarily. But I do think that is the one thing that could derail this group. Let's move in a season will be successful if. What will spell a successful season for the Gamecocks offensively in this upcoming year? And this is an interesting one because I think this, this answer can vary, right, for different people. This, this answer can be different. It can be points per game. It can be yards per game. It can be what type of offense we run. It can be, well, this player's individual stats, how many games we win, right? But for me... I look at this offense and I look at last year, right? 22.6 points per game, 13th in the conference, 104th nationally, 336.8 yards per game, 13th in the SEC, 111th nationally. It's hard for me to pinpoint, well, you got to finish top half of the SEC and top 50 in the country. Although I do believe that is a very fair goal for this group. For me, the season will be successful if you average over 30 points per game scoring. 30 points per game for me, guys, is the magic number. You get to that or higher, and I am willing to sit here and say, you know what, you had a successful year. And I know that's a huge jump from last season, but guys, this offense should make a huge jump, right? This offense should make a huge jump. When you look at the additions, Beyond Spencer Rattler with Wells and Rucker and Stogner, Christian Beal Smith, all the running backs you have returning, all of your offensive line returning, Jaheim Bell on his way back, Juju McDowell, who I did not even mention earlier, by the way, which, by the way, guys, let me get into that really quickly. I think Juju McDowell is the most underrated player on this offense. Every time he touches the football, all he does is average 10 yards a pop. That's all he does. That's all he does. So you got him back too, right? You've got enough weapons back. And, and, and by the way, you're in year two of your offensive system. There's no excuse not to make a major jump. And I think 30 points per game is that number where I'm like, you know what? As long as you hit that, it's sufficient. I, I, I'm okay with that. Now, when we look back and the dust settles, if you finish at 29.4 points per game, but you go eight and four, right? Are you going to say, well, you didn't hit 30 points per game. We got to fire Marcus Satterfield. I don't know that you do that, right? And in what games you score a lot of points and you run up the score and which games you don't, and how many you average in conference play versus non-conference, there's a lot of moving pieces there. But I think 30 points per game, that is my magic number. If you can average over 30 points per game, I think that puts you top 50 nationally. You're probably top 50 in yards per game as well. You're definitely top half of the SEC. And I'd be willing to say that would be a successful season for the Gamecocks offense. So, uh, finally, guys, let's move to my prediction for the 2022 Gamecocks offense. How will this unit fare in this season, right? <laughs> It'd be something if I said all I've said is say, well, I think they're going to stink. Uh, no, but no, locking in my prediction for it. How do I see this offense fair? Again, when you look at all the pieces you've added, 
led by Spencer Rattler. you got the best quarterback you've had maybe ever on campus just in regards to looking at pure talent. Certainly what the recruiting services say, you do have the best quarterback talent you've ever had on campus, right? All of the weapons you return and, and the biggest, again, the biggest game changer from last season is just simply the fact that you have that guy under center. Now, the offensive line has got to make strides. They have to. And the way I look at it, guys, is again, when you look at the fact that all five starters return and then backing up four of those five starters are guys who have played a lot of snaps. Like, I just don't see how the offensive line can't be better. There's no excuse. Because this is a group that's played good football before. There's no excuse for this group not to make a massive jump. And if they do that, you've got the weapons. Jaheim Bell, Wells Jr., Stogner, your running backs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, as I've mentioned over and over again on this show. With that being said, I, I do think the offensive line will improve. Now, how much will they improve? I don't know. I'm not saying you're going to be some juggernaut running the football. But, but, I do think Spencer Rattler is set to have a really, really good year for South Carolina. I think he's got a chip on his shoulder. I think he wants to prove to everyone that last year was a fluke, and he is still that Heisman Trophy caliber guy. He's still that first-round draft pick. He still is the guy we all knew him to be before last season. That being said, I think you've just got too many weapons not to make a big jump. I think year two of the system is very key and is very important. And for that reason, I see this offense averaging 31 points per game. And if you go back and look at my prediction, guys, from last week, what's so crazy, that is exactly the average of the 12 games that I predicted, 31 points per game. And I do think this offense will jump from being outside of the top 100 to being a top 50 offense nationally I think having the right quarterback under center and having stability that position by the way knock on wood knock on wood because <laughs> we thought we had stability last year too knock on wood though but I think having stability at that position means everything I think it makes all the difference again you traded in the hoopty for the Ferrari you have no excuse this year if you're Marcus Satterfield I think it will be a much much better offensive football team I think the first couple of weeks could be a little rough, right? After Georgia State, you got Arkansas and Georgia, two teams with good defenses that are just going to be tough physical ball games. But I think by week four, when you play Charlotte and then SC State, and then you go into Kentucky, that's really, I think, when you should see the offense. I think that's when you should see them get rolling. And you should see the Gamecocks scoring 30 to 35 points per game in each of their remaining contests. So, Lock it in, guys. I do think there's a massive improvement. I've got 31 points per game on average and a top 50 offense nationally for Marcus Satterfield's unit entering this 2022 football season. So, guys, that is my full breakdown of the South Carolina offense heading into the year. I would love to hear your thoughts. What are your expectations of the offense? What would you say would deem a successful season? Am I right? Am I wrong on my point total? The over under 30 points per game. And how do you think they'll fare? What's your prediction for the 2022 unit? And, hey, just how excited are you for Spencer Rattler? Do you think I have too much excitement? I don't think I do. I don't think I do, guys. It's been a while. You got to think. It's been a while since we've had a player that moved the needle like Spencer Rattler. We're not talking about a player that moves the needle for us, right? They all move the needle for us. But nationally, this guy moves the needle nationally. And it's so much fun and it's so cool to see. And I just cannot wait to see him take the field in that garnet and black and and do his damn thing. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. All right, guys, before we get out of here, really quickly, quick note, and then your listener questions, the GG Jackson stuff. It, it's wild, man. I went out this past weekend in Columbia, and I'm out at Tin Roof. Shout out my boys at Tin Roof, and shout out all the folks, by the way, that I ran into at Tin Roof. Everybody I see, though, asked me, Chris, what about GG Jackson? We getting GG Jackson. Is GG Jackson going to commit? Oh, my God. I'll tell you this, guys. <laughs> and I love how people were so pressed last week. I love people that take social media and they take me so seriously and they can't sense sarcasm and when I'm just making a joke and picking around and messing around, what have you. But I don't really have any more information 
Well, that's a lie. I was going to say I didn't have any more information than the next guy. That's a lie. I, I've heard a lot of things, and I'll just say this. From what I'm hearing, there's nothing concrete, certainly. But at this point, I'd be surprised if we didn't land him because there's so much smoke at this point. There's so much smoke at this point, right? And so, you know, I know it seems crazy. Trust me. I think it's crazy, too. I think it's crazy, too. But from all the rumors we've heard and people that are in Gigi Jackson's camp and all this, I think there is a real possibility. I'm thinking you'll probably hear within the next week, week and a half or so. And I think Lamont Paris might be about to make his mark very early in his head coaching tenure. I think he's about to make a major, major splash. And dare I say, solidify himself already as a legend. All right, guys, before we get out of here, let's dive into your listener questions. I want to say first things first. For those who may have submitted questions on Instagram, I do apologize. For whatever reason, Instagram is not allowing me to access these questions. So I I want to say this. The best way for you to submit your questions for the show, we do take voicemails, calls, texts, all that good stuff at our phone line number, 843-790-3377. So if you ever have questions for the podcast, of course, that is also the call-in number and the text number for the Daily Crow. But if you have questions specifically for the podcast, feel free to call in at any time and leave your thoughts and leave your comments, and I will always air those on the show. So in the meantime, let's get in these questions from Twitter and Facebook. Let's see. We got one from Twitter. My guy, John Edwards says, how big will Spencer Rattler be this season? It was a massive get to get him to South Carolina. Yeah. I mean, I think he'll be huge, John Edwards. I just think, um, you know, beyond the field, right? It goes beyond the field, his impact of South Carolina football and recruiting over the future. But of course, for this year, I mean, again, having that guy in their center, you have a quarterback, you have a chance. And when you have one, the level of Spencer Rattler, he gives you a chance, I believe, in each and every single game you play. So um, I, I'm very excited for him. I think the sky's the limit for him. And, I, and I'm very, I, I'm pumped to see what he can do uh, in Garnet and Black. Let's move to Facebook. Zach Snow says, do you think we'll actually be able to establish the run game and actually get something going this year? We got to be able to run the ball to be, have some success. I'm sure we'll see more in the passing game than the run. And yeah, I think the identity of this offense is a really intriguing storyline as well. Like, is it going to be 50-50? Is it going to be 60-40 run? I mean, I think they're going to want to be as balanced as they possibly can be. Um, I, I think we'll be able to run the football better, right? Don't get me wrong. Now, I do say this, and I'll get to it uh, when we do positioning at previews, but a lot of people, for whatever reason, think that the running back room is better than it was last year. I think that might be a little bold, but there's still a lot of talent back there. But when you return all of the experience you do on the offensive line, and I've said before that experience is overrated, but when you have the amount of bodies you have back up front, you've got to be better. You've got to think you're going to be better. Now, how much better, that's the question, but I think we will be able to get a little bit more of a push, but I probably still don't see it being a strength, if you will, in regards to running the football. Final question, Jeff Gullich says, what are the chances that we could have a 1,000-yard rusher, 1,000-yard receiver? What's more likely? We have 2,000-yard receivers or a 1,000 rushing and 1,000 receiving yard player? Great question. Um, I don't think we have a single 1,000-yard rusher. I, I just – I think we're going to split carries. I think you're going to see Marshawn Lloyd touch it. Christian Bill Smith's going to touch it. Juju McDowell's going to touch it. Um, I, I think Jaheim Bell gets used in the run game. Where does Lavassier Carroll play in? I think there's a lot of guys that need to touch the football. So I'll say this. I think it is far more likely you have two 1,000-yard receivers. And I think you look at those guys being probably Josh Van and Jaheim Bell. Maybe Antoine Wells figures in. But, I mean, you look at those two guys last year, Josh Van, 43 catches for 679 yards. Five touchdowns, and Jaheim Bells, I mentioned earlier, 30 catches for 497 and five touchdowns. So, I mean, you think those guys' numbers are obviously going to improve in number seven behind center. So, I think it's much more likely you have two 1,000-yard receivers. And I think also, man, I mean, to have a 1,000-yard rusher, you've got to have a really high-quality offensive line, in my opinion. And while they may be improved, I just don't know the Gamecocks' offensive line will be up to the task to produce a 1,000-yard rusher. And I'll tell you this, I'll go as far as to say this. If Carolina has a 1,000-yard rusher, 
watch out. I mean, this is a team that I think could win nine games. I mean, that, that's that's how good I think the offense would be if they had a 1,000-yard rusher complimenting what this passing attack should be. But a good question from Jeff Gulledge to end the show. Guys, appreciate you all tuning in. Thank you all so much for the continued love and support. And like I said, guys, just roll with the punches this week as I'm going to the move and we got family stuff going on, that good stuff. But hey, appreciate y'all. I know y'all have my back. I know y'all, I, y'all got, I've got your love and support. And again, I can't say thank you enough for all of that and looking forward to having a fantastic week yet again. Guys, appreciate you all tuning in. Have a great rest of your Monday and we will talk to you on Wednesday. 